Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saving it. Oh, save that soul. Save that soul. Such a beautiful fucking voice you have, Tyler. <laughs> I provide the only, my own intro music, Tony. It's, it's it's amazing. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. <laughs> we wouldn't be anything without the intro. Yeah. It's critical. It's a critical part of this podcast, dude. Our guests have come to know and love and expect it. <laughs> Our millions of listeners. Our millions. Yo, Blair Phillips. Speaking right? of things that we can't have a podcast without. Our guest. Hey, I guess that would be me, wouldn't it? Yeah, here he is. Is it Philip or Phillips? Phillips. Okay. It's actually a Mr. No Gimmick. Mr. No Gimmick. That's what we go by around here. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, we'll we'll get into the reasons why here in a little bit. Okay. I'm going to tell you my stage name. Thugnificent, Slayer of Gods, and Breaker of Worlds. Ooh. Nice. What was the first one? one? Thugnificent. It's from uh, Boondocks. What, the cartoon or the... The cartoon. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they have the rapper named Thugnificent, and I just think that's an awesome name, so I kind of stole it from my own personal. That is a pretty sweet show. I haven't seen it in a long time. Hilarious, dude. So funny. So we have have Blair, who drove up from Meadville. Yeah, yeah, here we are. What's up, dude? Live in action. What's going on? Hanging out. So very recently, you were in a fight, right? Was this out in Ohio? Yeah, yeah, no, that's correct. No, nah, cage fight. Yeah, just yeah, sanction, not a street fight. Please sanction. So I had seen. Okay, so I had seen the hype leading up to the event. Yeah. I came down. I played a benefit. Was that that was just for your career uh, in mixed martial arts in general, right? Yeah, that was just a benefit. Uh, there's a lot behind it, you know. Even with the platform of fighting, I like to get people together, show people how to live, how to have a good time. A lot of people get mixed all into this hype of you got to have alcohol you got to be wasted in order to have fun it's like no we can all just come together listen to some music enjoy and um also yeah all the all the profits go towards benefiting my future and my career which ultimately through the ripple effect is our so i don't don't like to say my career but it's more or less our career of like you know we're helping the kids we're helping a whole lot of people so absolutely good so no alcohol how long you been sober for an hour clean? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been clean since uh, August 20th of 2017. That's, that's pretty a pretty long time. Yeah, that's Almost what I consider. Almost four years. Yeah, yeah, that's the clean date. So. Cool. Were you into fighting before you got clean? Yeah, I actually karate chopped my way out the womb. There you go. <laughs> so, young, like four or five years old in like a karate dojo? No, no, more like... Um, you know, in, in the uh, in the hospital, and and the doctors like, like he's coming out, and like boom, busted out with the with a kick, and then just like punch cr- the doctor karate, in the face, punch the doctor in the face, karate chopped the umbilical cord, and just like said, let's go get money. <laughs> that's get money, where, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at with it. Nice. 
you know, and then I found uh, then I found a punching bag, and I would just beat it up for hours. And then I found friends; I'd beat them up for hours. That's always a good time, you know. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with some rough housing. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, for, you grew up in Meadville? No, I actually grew up in uh, Warren, PA. Warren, PA. Warren, PA. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you really fight and do different things like that as a kid? Yeah, never officially. Uh, I never did any school sports. I never did any like official training. It was all more just like backyard street brawling. Yeah. It's just where I was from and uh, got it how you live. Cool. So you were fucking kids up in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, even from a young <laughs> age, uh, there there was a dude from around the way. His name was uh, Ryan Markey, and he was just a bad dude, man. And like you would just hear war stories about how this dude would like be out at a bar beating up like seven dudes and to throw like seven punches. You know, and just like, and I'd always hear all these war stories. I think every town has that dude, right? Like yeah, some especially guy. every small town. Right. You know, I wanted to be that dude. Well, did you want to be that dude or did you want to fuck that dude up? No, I want I want I wanted like, like this was, I'm telling you, I was probably like 10. And like, I liked the way that people talked about that dude. And ever, and like, I went on a 10 year mission of like, I'm going to be that dude. When people mention my name out of their mouths, like, it's going to ring bells, you know? Yeah. And like whole lot of chaos came with that and like <laughs> I, you know Hell absolutely yeah. so when you know what i hear i've heard a lot about warren and i've heard a lot about warren in recovery settings seems like they have a crazy there's a lot of drugs and alcohol in warren right oh yeah it's wild man i mean it's right next to new york you know a lot of dudes come out from new york i grew up in a trap house my mom was a crackhead and she'd uh she'd have all the dealers from up in buffalo in new york trapping out of her house you know and uh and that's just the environment that i was brought up in because all, all these inner city folk would come down to the small country and just you know they'd get it for Push cheap up shit. there coming down here and get it for real yeah yeah exactly and that's like i'm the product of it you know i never never really knew quite what trapping was until just a few years ago i was on this crazy relapse and my buddy's like i got some boys or they're going to come. They're going to hang out at the house for like the weekend. You're going to get high for free and they're just going to like set up shop. And like midway through, I'm like, oh my God, we're trapping this shit out right now. You know, it was fucking, I couldn't imagine growing up in a, in a situation like that. Yeah, man, it was rough. I mean, there was, you know, six spoons in the house, no cereal, paper, maybe a paper plate and Raymond noodles got ate by the mice. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. no food, no nothing. Food stamps got sold, so, of course, we already sold our soul. Right. You know? You know, it's interesting, too, when I was talking to Tony about you. Um, when I first met, when I very, for the first time ever saw you, and I'm going to be honest, I saw, like, the flat bill. I saw, like, the muscles, the, the in, like, the tough guy thing. And I was like, what is up with this fucking dude, right? And then you asked me to play that benefit, and I think that was... The most I ever, even just a few minutes, and I knew within like two minutes that whatever perception, not that I had like a horrible perception of you, but like I, you know, you automatically just uh, put people into a category sometimes, right? Like No, absolutely. 100%. People probably do it to me. I couldn't imagine the category people put me in. But <laughs> yeah. I, it just, um, like kind of like a meathead type dude, right? Yeah. And then within right. like two minutes of talking to you, I was like, oh, dude, like. Like I could see your soul or something. Like I knew you had been through some shit, and like what you were trying to do was like honest and real. And I immediately thought of like bringing you and doing this here. Yeah. You know? uh, so I mean, that's what the past four years or three and a half years, I'll say, of recovery has done is like deteriorating that that persona. 
you know, getting rid of that ego, trying to knock that down, trying to be more humble. Um, growing up, I never had to think about anybody else except for myself because I was hungry and I needed to go eat. And like, that's how it was. It was a dog eat dog world. So like, realistically, I've been practicing for the past three and a half years, how to love other people and how to let other people love me. And so sometimes I still have that, that first impression that way. But once you really peel back the layers, it's like, okay, Blair's a thorough dude. Yeah. Yeah. And not that I saw you in a bad way. I just, uh, I saw like more of a depth. Like I, like I said, like when I talked to you for a couple of minutes and like looked you in the eyes and was close and, you know, saw you had a huge heart and shit. Yeah. I mean, I work in a 28 day rehabilitation program. So like I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, I've worked there for two years. So I get like a fast forwarded pace of trying to break down my persona to be more approachable because a lot of people come into, uh, you know, detox programs and, uh, institutions like that. And I want them to be able to approach me, but they're usually like, you know, who's this dude? Who's this meathead? Who's this dude? You know, like a lot of people are scared, you know? Well, they're like insecure. They're detached. Yeah. So it gives me like, like, it's like, uh, intense practice at deteriorating that like i feel like my higher power my god put me in that predicament to help me break that down tony tony uh yeah i worked in a rehab for almost three years he worked at cadenzia worked at cadenzia oh nice yeah so it, it is really interesting to watch people go through those changes you know what i mean and to kind of put yourself out there and in a situation like that, you really do have to try to be like a role model to a lot of these people because a lot of these people really don't know what the fuck they're doing with themselves or how to live in a good way. Um, it, it's funny that when I went through Cadenzia, you were one of the counselors. Upstairs, yeah. And I remember program. once in a while, if we were fucking up pretty big, like they, they would, would bring, bring me down. Tony would come down and like scare us. I was like, what the fuck's And I was yeah. like, what the fuck's up with this dude? Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love that shit, dude. <laughs> That's I knew awesome. when stuff was going on downstairs, I would be like, I'd jump, come right down there, drop whatever I had and be a part of it because I just, I like the tense moments. You know what I mean? That was Tony, you're, parts. you're like a little dude, but I was like, man, that dude means fucking business. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Same I, thing with you. And then I get to meet you and I, I, dude, I think a lot of this stuff is, uh, the program working in people's lives too, you know? Yeah. You really hit the nail on the head there. 100%. That's basically what the program is all about think of myself less not think less of myself but just think of myself less right think of other people more absolutely they say it's a selfish program but it's always like that at first you yeah. know what i mean eventually it starts to turn into more of a selfless program yeah i think the selfish is just like to really get established with the people places and things right yeah you got to take care of yourself and put yourself first for a little bit look out for your needs yeah, instead yeah. of everybody else's right right i think a lot of that too you see that, I'm sure, in programs. Like, they're there a week. Like, oh, you know what? I feel better. I got to get back to my kids. I got to get back to my job. I got, I'm letting people down. It's like, bro, you've been letting people down a long time. And maybe it's time to get selfish with your time, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's even one of the mangles where I throw out, you know, because it's usually older people, like a lot of moms. Hey, I got to get back to my kids. I got to get out of here. Right. And it's like, what, what, about, what about what that kid thinks? You know, take this from my perspective because I was that kid. You know, I would have wanted my mom to stay in treatment. Right. You know, I don't yeah. care, you know, 28 days, three months, six months, one year, right. mom, go get better. Because as, as soon as my mom would get out, you know, because she had to get back to me two weeks later, now she's going to do a six-month bed in jail. Yeah. Mom, I would have rather you stayed. You know, they it always want to use you. that as an excuse. Well, right. You, well, you got to think, like, what's worse, having an absent parent or having a 
absent parent who's there. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a lot to like upholding your commitment to like you came to this place expecting to stay. You signed up for a 28 day program. You got to complete that shit. If you don't complete this shit, how are you going to complete any of the other big challenging tasks that you don't really want to do, but really have to, you know, if you can't even do this first step? Yeah, it's like leaving treatment on a bad foot. Right. Hey, man, you know, at least complete. So then you're getting out on a good foot. Right. Uh, 100 percent. How do you how do you, you feel all right talking more about like growing up? Oh yeah, I mean I've been in counseling and therapy my entire life. I can talk I can tell you my whole life story without any any yeah. expression, you know. I've told my story 500,000 times to a therapist, well, you know. Well, I think I think somebody like you who's trying to better yourself and be motivated and like do something that like some the average person can't do um in that will to live and that hope to do like bigger and better things. I think that stuff becomes even more amazing when it's happening with somebody who's like had every excuse in the world to just be like, I had a fucked up. Because I know people like that. I've had a fucked up childhood. My mom was a crackhead. Like, what do you expect of me? You know, I have a couple of friends back home that are that are like that. And they've had this uh, defeating attitude. And it's like, you know, it's predestined that they're fucked. And, and, and you got to realize I think people have to realize that, you know, at some point that ends and you become like your own person and you have to move on and like do, do you. So like, at what point were, were you in that situation until you were 18 or what? Yeah. So, uh, I say you got to take accountability for your life and there's a point where you got to be responsible. Uh, a lot of people are dealt a shitty deck of cards. You know, and a lot of people use that as an excuse. I was that is dealt a shitty hand of cards, you know. Right. But at what point do you say, let's reshuffle the cards and redeal? Right. You know what I mean? At what point do you say, it's not your fault? You know what? It's not my fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It, nobody's at fault. Let's just push forward. You know, there's a saying in the Chinese, um, you know, realm of things. I don't, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm backed by a lot of bro science, so I, I, but <laughs> when I say Chinese Rome, I don't I don't want anybody to get the impression that like oh I'm racist or I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. You can Google it. I know it was brought to my attention that it was like a, some Chinese philosophy or story. But uh, the he who blames someone else has a long way to go. He who blames himself is halfway there. He who blames Ooh. no one has arrived. And now let's move forward. Wow, you know? sounds like it's from the Tao Te Ching. Lao Tzu. It very well may be. I'm pretty sure I got that book on the shelf over there, but it sounds like it's something. Is something it Chinese? Dao- Was I right? It's Taoist. Yeah, it's a no. very Taoist philosophy um, and probably from the Tao Te Ching, which is a Taoist book, which is all about the yin and yang and the dark and light side of the situation and accepting of the duality of life and like the nature of things. So that's cool. Yeah, you know, I was 24 years old, a three-time convicted felon. Whole lot of whole lot of uh, rap sheet behind me, and uh, I was sent to state prison. I had eight months to get out, and I made a decision that, you know what, it's uh, no more blaming mom, no more blaming dad, no more blaming the government, no more blaming the world, no more blaming myself. So that's something that you did for a while, where you were just like, "Fuck it, this is where I came from, this is who I am, and I'm gonna." Oh rot. yeah, a lot me, of t- a lot, oh, like wow. for me, I took pride in that shit for a long time. Hey, no you doubt. know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I'm fucking big and bad and all the other fucking shit out there. And this is me, and this is I. I do time, and I fucking 
do what I got to do to survive and get what I need. Yeah. And it becomes a huge point. It was a huge point of pride for me. Like, yeah, I'm a scumbag. I'm a slime ball. I'm a junkie. I'm, you know, an alcoholic. I'm whatever. Um, and eventually you got to decide you want to change that narrative. Right. Absolutely. So get a new perspective on life. How, what did you do when you got out of prison? Uh, I did what a lifer told me to do. He said, uh, all you got to do is work hard. I got out on Sunday. Monday, I went down to a temp agency and I asked them for a job. They said, we got a job for you. It's three miles away in a steel mill. You work 10 hours a day. You need to be there at 5 a.m. It's three miles away from your house, Blair. How are you going to get there? I said, I'm going to run. That morning, <laughs> that next morning, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. I put my steel toe boots around my shoulders, put on some running shoes, and I ran three miles to work. Clocked in at 5 a.m., worked 10 hours a day, and I did that for nine months. Wow. You know? Were you, like, physically prepared? Had you been, like, working out or anything to run three miles? Because I don't feel like I could run three miles right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I said, I just got out of prison. So I was uh, I was definitely pumping the iron while I was in there. I was in every weight session and really working on my physique. Cool. Damn, so, so that nine months, you know, was probably some really good growth, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It taught me very, very, very much so how to stay in the present because I probably only slept three hours and I had to work 10 hours and mm -hmm. I hated every second of that job. And I dreaded every minute that I was there, except for the present moment, I was okay. But when I would think about, oh, I'm going to be so tired in three hours, I'm going to be so tired in five hours, I would, I would instantly get this pit in my stomach. But then as soon as I would bring myself back to the present moment, Blair, I'm okay. Blair, I'm awake. Blair... I feel a sense of peace. Right. And then I would just work at the task on hand. And next thing I know, it'd be 3.30 and I'd be clocking out. Yeah. And I've definitely been there. I mean, sometimes sometimes in growing periods, you don't start off ex where you want to be. You're, you know, and I'm even, I still even do stuff all the time, like working hard, doing stuff I don't want to do. Because oh, I yeah. know that eventually, you know, it, it's, first off, it's like building character, right? Yeah. Like, like just being... Like we're, what I'm doing now, like I work in kitchens, I've been doing that. But like the first job I think I had in re had was like ERS down in the Bayfront in Erie and you would sort like old ink cartridges. Like you would sand there all day. Yeah. But like I just, I needed a job. I needed to save money. I was in a halfway house. Like I destroyed my fucking life. I burned all my bridges. And now I'm standing down here for 10 hours a day or whatever, eight hours a day. I don't know, remember that shit, but sorting ink cartridges. And yeah, the same thing. Like, dude, I hate this. Like, I can't stand this job. But I knew that, like, you know, it's going to get better. Things are going to change. But, like, for right now, this is just where I am. Yeah. And I'm sure even in that moment, maybe you called your sponsor or whatnot. And, you know, they said, Todd, you need to be grateful. What are you grateful <laughs> yeah. for? How many yeah. gratitude lists did you write in that moment? Right. You know, it's like, that's like, here I am complaining that I have a job. Oh, I have a job. You right. know, yeah. I'm only making this much money. Oh, but I'm making money. You know, it's all about perspective. Right. Absolutely. It is uh, practicing gratitude like daily. Can huge. Be, it is huge, but it, it can. It's I think the addict mind wants to go sometimes to like the negative. Yeah. Like, you're, like you're looking down on everything you're doing. It's not good enough. And that's really, you know, that's not a good attitude for win to win. We have a brain that wants to kill us. Yeah. I believe that shit, man. Hey, no doubt. Uh, what really helped me with, uh, in the beginning was not only was I participating in a 12-step fellowship, but I also had to go to like therapy and counseling through an uh, intensive outpatient. And I'd sit down one-on-one -on -one with this counselor and I'd like, I'd go in there and like, you know, not the best of the mood and I'd get in there and I'd just start to talk and, and we'd talk for an hour and I'd tell her all the good things that I got going on in my life. And then it would really make me look like, wow, 
I got some good things going in my life. And I'd always leave yeah. there feeling a lot better mm-hmm. when you had somebody that you could trust and you could actually talk to. Because in our head, it, it all just sounds real messed up until we get it out of our lips and we hear it in our own ears. And it's like, it just starts to make sense. Absolutely. You know, and you know, counselors, drug and alcohol counselors, psychologists, they they have seen people, you know, going downward or like at the lowest low or somebody that just like cannot get anything to click. And and I'd imagine somebody on the other end of those words is like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally watching somebody change their life, you know. And when you get that positive reinforcement back, like, no, dude, you are doing the right thing. Like, just don't get high. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, this shit isn't your fault. Um, you're in charge of, like, where things go from here. Yeah, that that's that's huge, especially early on. Yeah, that was, that was actually very pivotal. Uh, she always used to tell me that, you know, I didn't think of it as that way, but she'd be like, you know, Blair, like you're, you're a miracle. Like you just got out of prison. You're actually staying clean. You're working a 12 step program. You have a job, you go to work. And she would always just constantly remind me of like how good I am doing. And I'd always leave there feeling a whole lot better. You know, and I think that's why is because she was right there to, to reassure me like Blair, you're doing the next right thing. Just keep doing it. It's going to get better. Right. You need those pat on the back, especially early on when you're used to telling yourself that you fucking suck most of the time, you know? <laughs> I still need those. Once I still one. everybody hey, still ain't needs no doubt. Those. Yeah, know? dude, I love me a good pat on the back. Like somebody yeah. tell me I'm doing good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got to stick through those things too. In those difficult times, you got to have the mental fortitude to persevere and to be patient and let things unfold as they go. You know, they say one day at a time, all all the time throughout all the twelve step fellowships. And really, you just got to make it through that one day and then see what comes next you know yeah, i always say the only difference between somebody with a black key tag and somebody with a white key tag is tools you know we all go through the same problems we still have the same brain that wants to kill us we still can get ungrateful we can still take things for granted we can still you know we could be in a mansion and having a real bad day oh yeah you know and it's just the fact that like no i'm gonna pick up the phone i'm gonna call somebody i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do some things for my mental health i'm gonna i'm gonna pray i'm gonna meditate i'm gonna write that gratitude list i'm gonna i'm gonna recall the things that i am grateful for right you know and it's putting like, in that work putting in that work well yeah i mean it, it's like you see these celebrities uh who seemingly have it all love respect money and then they fuck around with drugs and get into a real dark place and end up killing themselves or dying. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I remember, remember when that dude died? You know, you know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is? No, I don't. I'd, You'd recognize I don't him keep if you've up seen with the times. him. He, well, he died a few, maybe 10 years ago, but just a brilliant, are you, you familiar with him? I don't know, what's he in? He was in Capote. Uh, anyway, very, you'd recognize him if you've seen him. Probably. Um, but you would just, an amazing actor dude he did so many badass things and then like his family didn't even know he was getting high again he had been clean from heroin for like 20 years and here he was like renting an apartment in like manhattan and like didn't tell anybody about it and they found him dead with like 300 bags of dope Mm -hmm. and this dude was like yeah millionaire you know sad dude i know like capote was one of his, his biggest movies uh and and it wasn't you know, this long, it wasn't that long after that. The dude had several Oscars, like Academy right. Awards, all sorts of shit. And, and bringing it back down to basics, I think a lot of like addicts and myself included live like these double lives. You know what I mean? Where we're, you know, successful or doing whatever, or we're telling people we're successful and really we're hidden away, secretly from everybody else, getting high in a fucking apartment 
or basement or wherever your fucking drugs ended you up. You know what I mean? So when you were growing up in this situation, was it something that like you tried drugs at a very very early age and were like allowed to use in the house or how'd that work? That's actually a really funny story, and I'm glad that you asked. Um, so growing up using drugs was very very normal to me. I actually didn't know anybody that didn't use drugs. And um, did you ever go to school and like were thinking like I don't think these kids' parents use drugs like that, or like you didn't know for a while? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, at school, I, in Warren, there was a lot of, like, preppy kids, a lot of kids that, uh, you know, did the sports and stuff like that, and I never fit in with them, obviously, and I never really fit in with, like, the, you know, the poverty kids either, like, I never fit in, I never fit in with anybody, you know, and it was just, yeah, I don't know, it was, uh, so I guess, you know, I don't want to get off topic too much, but, um, I think a lot of people feel like that though. They don't really have a place, you know, they feel like they're abandoned or alone, you know, and don't really have anybody to turn to or talk to about everything. And like, I know back when I was getting high, I was like, everybody, everybody gets high. You know, how could you function on planet earth, the fucking worst place ever without getting high? Well, the thing about it was, was like, I knew that I knew what drugs was. I was four years old when I went to my first NA meeting, you know, um, I knew exactly what I didn't want to do, and that was drugs. I didn't want to do drugs. I was actually a late bloomer coming from where I come from. Most most of the kids was 12 years old, already banging dope, you know, and I was 15. And, you know, I was I was straight edge. I used to hate kids that did drugs, yeah. you know, because uh, drugs is what took away my family. And, like, now, now all my friends was starting to use, and I was just like, like, it even backed me up into more isolation. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then one day I was 15 years old, and I sat there, and I thought, why does everybody in my family use drugs? And I thought to myself, it's because they have a lot of pain they're trying to kill. And I thought to myself, well, I have a lot of pain I'm trying to kill. Right. And that next day, my brother got out of a Braxis, and he come down to my house, and he was like, what's up, Blair? You want to get high? And he thought I was going to, like, be mad at him and, like, cuss him out. Like, why you ask me some stupid question like that? And I was like, yeah, man, actually, you know what? Matter of fact, let's do that. Yeah. And that day, we was out smoking fentanyl off a of tinny. Mm-hmm. First drug I ever did. Ever since... uh I did drugs to kill myself. I wanted to die. I wanted to die in the worst way. When I was 14 was the first time I tried to kill myself. You know what I mean? Like, I, I did drugs to die. Uh, to an extent, I say drugs saved my life because, one, I didn't die, and I forgot about how bad I wanted to kill myself while I was on drugs. You know, and then... they Like, dude, I can relate to that so much. Like, they served... They actually served you a purpose at that time. Yeah. And, like, thank God you didn't die. Right. But, like, right. I remember... Seventh and eighth, and ninth grade, there was just something inside, and I, you know, I didn't grow up in ton, tons of drugs. I grew up in a, you know, pretty well-off family, but like, just had a really fucked-up relationship with my stepdad or my adopted dad, and then my mom and him is super crazy shit going all the time, fighting and in drama, and like for whatever reason, for me, it was like, it felt mentally like the worst, right? And, like, I remember thinking of ways, like, I could hang myself or kill myself. You know, I'd fantasize about it. And then you get into, like, bands and got into, like, the Kurt Cobain. And right. Idolize, and it all starts to make sense, right? I idolized somebody who did heroin and, like, died. And and uh, things got real weird. But I remember when I found, like, acid and weed, it it took me away from that horrible feeling. You know, they say... Like that self-medication. They say that, um, you know, we were born addicts. You know, environment and society 
doesn't dictate who becomes an addict. Just because you grew up in a messed up childhood doesn't mean you're going to be addicted. I mean, there, there's uh, there's pastors' kids, there's lawyers' kids, there's doctors' kids, there's doctors, there's lawyers that are addicts that never went through any trauma. Police trauma, officers that are addicts. You know, trauma doesn't relate to addiction. They say that it does, but it, it really doesn't because I know people that have had traumatic backgrounds and they're not addicts at all. You know, um, there was something else I wanted to touch on, but... There's a lot of a lot of personal choice in that too. You know what I mean? So, like you said, a lot of people will go through that. A lot of people will come from genetically um, families that are alcoholics or families that are addicts and and be completely clean their whole life. But a lot of times, people that I think that addiction. I don't really like to look at it as addiction anymore. I like to look at it as obsession. And we chose to obsess over drugs as addicts, and that's how we identify. But there are tons of people that still have that obsessive nature and find other ways to do it, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, just something for them to latch onto and use to fill that void that's inside of themselves. Um, and some people don't have that void. You know, they feel um, they have some sort of connection to a higher power or a connection to whatever that allows them to, you know, stay away from those obsessions, stay away from that that hole or that void that we all, that us as addicts feel inside of ourselves that we're trying to fill and like make go away or stop hurting. Um, it's really interesting, really interesting stuff when you think about all the different ways and the nature versus nurture argument and all that stuff. Yeah, I wanted to mention that uh, where you brought up about how uh, you turned to music and that was kind of your escape. Uh, you know, they say that a lot of a lot of addicts, you know, their first drug of choice is like fantasy or mm -hmm. music or whatever that escape is, just trying to escape reality. Video games, TV, Video games, books, yeah. whatever it My is. My first drug of choice was pizza. Right. You know, I remember I used to beg my grandma to buy me a pizza and I'd sit there and eat that pizza and I wouldn't think about none of my problems while I was eating that pizza. Right. You know, <laughs> I can relate to that too, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know that. And, and the interesting part about that whole thing is that like that same philosophy, that mindfulness that we find when we're eating pizza or reading books or playing video games or whatever that allows us to transport away from all of the bullshit and all of the problems is like a very common philosophy that lots of people practice to you know, maintain a level head regardless of addiction or any sort of mental health disorder, you know, just staying mindful and being aware and allowing your thoughts to just uh, consume you and, um, you know, just drift away for a little bit. Yeah, the addiction mindset and the whole brain and I don't know, addicts, we're some, we're some interesting individuals, you know, a lot of doctors can't figure us out, psychologists, psychiatrists, no, can't nobody figure us out. It seems right. like the only people that really got us figured out is us. Yeah. Yeah. We're the only ones that get it. I yeah. mean, another addict is the only person that could help me get better. You know what yeah. I mean? Blair, you were kind of, I kind of cut you off on the whole, uh, you know, you feel like in a way being an addict like saved your life at a, at a time. Do you want to, you want to continue on that? Um, I, just I like, know. just like that route, like you're 15, you decided, you know, you didn't want to be around anymore. You said, fuck it. I'm going to give in. I'm going to do the things I hated. For yeah. so long. The I mean, I, I wanted to burn the world down. You know, I wanted to steal everybody's smiles and put them in my pocket and just, like, stab them to death. You know, I got very morbid for a very long time. Uh, I was... Man, I, Is that something you you had to work on through your addiction, that desire to make other people want to feel how you feel? Oh, yeah. Like, misery loves I know. Company. I know when I'm upset, if somebody hurts me, I want them to fucking hurt, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Still, and it's something I have to actively do as part of my 12 step program and the step and like, you know, step 10 and shit and make sure I apologize or turn the other cheek or be the bigger person or whatever. And that's the beautiful thing about working a program is like, 
we ain't got to live like that anymore. And right. through self-awareness, you know, I'm aware that when I'm miserable, I like other people to be miserable. So like, I just don't be miserable these days. And right. like when I do notice there's always a, a trigger or like a, an onset of misery. It's like, Ooh, I'm about to be miserable Yeah. or I can make a better decision and like adjust this path. Yeah. Let's snip that and like choose another path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that misery can be like when you said that, like addiction saved me because you were so miserable. Right. And I can relate to that. And it's, uh, and it's almost, it's almost like an addict brain, for me at least, like I'll attach sometimes to that misery. And I'll know that like if I keep laying here and just doing nothing, if I don't answer texts, if I don't call people, if, you know, I'm just feeling sorry for myself, you know, you're not fucking good at all this stuff. Like it seems like it's so natural, natural to go down that road and for some reason. And it's like you got you're like what the fuck am I doing? Do you, you know what I mean? Right. Like well the last podcast, uh, well the one before Roger Montgomery, we talked about like self talk and shit. Right. And for me that's big, and I've been trying to apply that to my life a lot. Even still, I mean I've been clean almost three years, but I I still deal with that like that uh, you know not being grateful and I should be farther along and right. nobody gets me and fucking doing things that like I know make me miserable, but like that's like all that my brain wants to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to actively fight against that shit, right? Yeah, 100%. That's what I said. Uh, what's the difference between a white key tag and a black key tag? You know, the white key tagger goes through all them same things just as well as the black key tagger does. You know, the black key tag obviously represents multiple years of recovery. Um, and now, but when you feel that going on, like, what do you do about it? You ask it? Yeah. Well, you know, I've put a lot of, like, more positive things on my plate so I don't allow myself to stew like that lately but I do have to practice gratitude you know like dude look at fucking where like I was thinking I just took a long ass drive today I went out to Rochester New York that's why we got started late today um and it was I've been so busy lately right and so I had like six hours in the car Mm -hmm. and uh it's an old Jetta no Bluetooth so I'm, I'm rocking CDs and I'm rocking you know some like classic ass records like cat stevens and the allman brothers and like old bluegrass all this shit and i'm riding on the fucking highway and the sun's shining and i just picked up some gear that i worked hard to acquire and you know it's for the band all and i'm like dude things are fucking so good you know right. and it's easy to be at work and being like Duh, you know where the fuck is this life heading like where am i gonna end up you know stewing on the future mm-hmm you know, based off of all these, you know, self-biased bullshit. And, but I just, in that moment today, I just felt free. And I'm like, dude, it made me tear up for real. I'm right? sitting over here with the biggest grin on my face. I'm, I'm literally smiling ear to ear because like, you have these I, moments. I got chills. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I almost shed a tear with you and for you because I can 100% identify with what you're talking about. And that's what makes it worth it. Right. And I guess and that's that pivotal point that it's like when you're having a bad day, those days are right around the corner. And it's yeah. like, what do you do on those bad days to get right around the corner? Just keep right? fucking going, right? Just keep going. Don't pick, pick up, up the phone. Pick up, Don't pick up the drug, but pick, yeah, up, pick the up the phone. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm going to hit a meeting. Maybe right. I'm going to call somebody. Maybe I'm going to write a gratitude list. Maybe it's time to break out the step working guide. Maybe it's time to, uh, you know, take a little drive. Do a little meditating. You know, it's like, what works for you? What keeps you clean? What, what keeps you moving? What is your purpose? What is your passion? You know, it's like... And it's in those moments where it's like, I call it the, the 
the the apex the the peak the you know how many times did you drop a whole bunch of acid and you're just waiting for the peak waiting for the base to drop you know it's like we're just waiting for the base to drop as addicts we just want to feel good right you know what i mean it's like what i'm ready you... for this life to like be everything i thought it would be you yeah know, and more dude i'm, I'm telling you and now it doesn't happen every day it doesn't yeah. happen once a week but it does happen right you know and it's like it's at that one moment where it's like wow this is it i have arrived this is why when i was having a bad day i didn't use because now i can feel this way naturally it's a natural high i'm telling you right how like like i'm out here chasing natural highs yeah let me I, tell no, you what just like, because i stopped using drugs did not does not mean that i stopped getting high no. i just found way better ways to do it oh man let you, me tell you what i love that i love that part and I want to talk to you about your fitness journey too, dude, because you're like, you know, Greek God style right now. But but going along with what you were saying, I love that attic mentality when it comes to doing positive things. Because folks like us are so willing to go to like crazy lengths to make our life better. Like, really? Like, dude, I'm doing keto right now and I'm like pissing on the ketone strips and I'm checking my blood sugar and I'm fucking spending all this money in the grocery store because like I had always been a fat kid and like I'm clean. I want to be in good health. I want to be, you know, I want to be, I want to look good, feel good about myself. I want to be the best version of me I can be. You know, I want to pick up another job. I want to start saving some money. Uh, I want to live with the fucking dude who's on the same type of path that I'm on. You know, I want to surround myself with guys that are MMA fighters and fucking have been through to prison and grew up in like a dark ass place and like deciding they don't need that shit anymore. Like it's, uh, it is a very motivating thing and that addict mind can i think it can propel if you can put the negative aspects of it to bay and really focus on like some of the perks like i'm gonna obsess over this until i get it right i'm like an obsess over this until i figure it out or i'm gonna work so hard until i can get what i need to do what i need to do it is it you can spin that shit to a positive Right. Yeah, man, you got my, you got all my synapses just over here <laughs> blasting away. I got all these ideas, and I'm like, yes, let's get I it. I can feel the energy <laughs> right. in the room, dude. Right. It's like, you know, it's it took me. It's it is a really amazing fucking thing, and I I've heard that in a lot of people's leads. Um, when people speak at meetings and tell their story, that like they took the worst deck of cards and they got a redeal, and they worked that shit obsessively, used their traits to their benefit. How many times have you heard an addict say, being an addict is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Being in recovery is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. All the drugs that I've ever did in my whole life, all the time I did in prison, everything that's ever been shitty is the best thing that's ever happened to me. There was a quote I heard one time, and I'm probably going to fuck it up, uh, but it was this guy who said, like, addiction is the only disease that while in remission, you're better off for having it. Mm Mm-hmm. Something yeah. along those lines, right? One hundred percent. And it's, I was like, damn, because you got to like, you know how many times uh, that I just regular people, and I'm like, you know what, this motherfucker could really benefit from a little inward thinking, you know, right? Uh, practicing, you know, some gratitude, and you know, realizing that I'm the common denominator and all this bullshit in my life, and like, let things go. Yeah, I see, I see that all the time. I've seen that with my parents, you know, like, let the resentment go. You know, choose how you react to it. You know, nobody's forcing you to behave a certain way. So it, I mean, there's a set of circumstances that come along with like recovery that like allow you to be 
better off than you could have ever been without having to deal with those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where I work right now, we're out of air conditioner, and a lot of the clients are complaining on how hot it is. And the only thing that I can think about is the time that I was locked in the basement of a jail in a six by nine cell with literally no airflow in the middle of a summer with another man breathing on each other, You're and like, the walls are shit. just sweat. This ain't nothing. <laughs> Let's right. be grateful. <laughs> you guys ain't even seen this yet. You ain't seen heat yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no doubt. So how how much uh, how much time have you act- did you spend in prison? Oh, man. I mean, in state prison, I, three years. Um, I've been locked up since I was 15. I did I did 45 days when I was 15. I got out. I was out for maybe 32 days, and then I was back for nine months. I was out for one year. Then I was in for 90 days in, 90 days out, 90 days in, 90 days out. If you add it all up together, it's like seven and a half years, and I'm only 27 years old. Yeah. You know, and wow. then here's what's even more crazy is the fact that I sleep. I'm a sleeper. I sleep 16 hours a day every day. You know, so if you think about that, I've been asleep half my life and then in jail for the other half. So I'm literally like three and a half years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's three like, and a half in world experience. Yeah. No, for real. One hundred percent. I mean, I had this girlfriend and she was dumbfounded. The fact that I didn't know how to go get a driver's license. I've never driven a vehicle. I've never had a driver's license. I didn't know how to get a job. I didn't know what an application looked like. And this was all as you were getting clean this time. Oh, yeah, in the past four years. How do you go to a grocery store and go grocery shopping? I don't know. How do you catch a check after you worked a 40-hour workday and, like, your employer gives you a check? I don't know. Never had that happen before. (laughs) Never had anybody teach me that, you know? Even if they did teach it in school, I wouldn't have paid attention. Right. You know, it's like... Mm -hmm. It's mind-blowing. Here's what's more mind-blowing and why the fact that I'm so passionate about carrying a message and why I'm here on this podcast is because how many other people in the world are that same way? Yeah. 27 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. I met a 40-year-old man that's never been into a grocery store and actually like bought groceries for the week. Yeah. Like I want to teach people how to live. I want to teach people the experiences that I went through to like help them. Like, let's all go. Let's go. Like, what? Get up. Like, life is not miserable. The world is not ending. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I'll say that again. The world is not ending. Let's go. Yeah. Get up. We got shit to do. We got shit to do. Come on. I I mean, I can relate to that. I, in this stent of recovery, I have learned how to like, not only, you know, there was parts of life where I would get like a car loan and pay the initial like 600 bucks to take it off the lot and then never think about it again. Right. Never think about car insurance. I mean, it just like never even came up in my mind. Yeah. Like making a payment. No, yeah. No. <laughs> What's no. that? Yeah, right. And then one day you just got to the car. I got no bank account. And it was just gone. Dope man gave you a front, got to pay it back. What? <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I, you know, t- today getting up, like you say after work at noon, getting up and going to the grocery store, meal planning. I, mean, I got my son coming over. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I got to be at work. Dude, that is shit that like, it feels like I'm just learning for the first time in my, in this last few years. Yeah, no, 100%. And normal people that have like been doing that their whole lives, look at us and like, what? Yeah. You know, but how did you go through that without ever going through to a grocery store, cashing a check in your whole life? Mind boggling. But what's crazy on the other hand is like how many people are just like us that haven't, that don't have any hope. I tell you what, I was 24 years old and I had no hope. I thought for sure I was going to live by the sword and die by the sword. Mm-hmm. 100%. How and old are you right now? I'm 27. You know, I'm about to be 28, July 16th. 
Old as dirt, dude. Virgin dirt. death. Yeah. That's I wrote a school on like. a dinosaur. Yeah, I feel you, dude. So, Tony, it's driving me nuts. Uh, on the on that mic, straighten it up a little bit. There's a little uh, knob on the back of it. We're having our technical difficulties. No, I'll show you. Right, right there. Yeah, right there. I just keep seeing it sinking. Can you loosen that? Sink, swim, or fly. Sink, swim, or fly. Here's a funny story. So I was 17. Yeah, yeah you kill some time. I was 17. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I was 17 years old. My dad just kicked me out of his house. Mind you, I just met the man and moved in with him six months prior. He kicks me out, and I'm walking through the diamond in Meadville, PA, and I think to myself, am I going to sink, swim, or fly? <laughs> right. I was like, I'm going to parasail. <laughs> you think that was your higher power putting something in your mind? Something in your head? Uh, Something in your mane? I, in your, I, yeah, <laughs> in your mind. I, d- I definitely sunk, but it's the fact of like now years later, here we are on a podcast called cool. Sink, Swim, or Fly. Ah, That's here it. we are. Comes full circle, dude. Shit like that is amazing. I how, love that How stuff. do you spell coincidence? G-O-D. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Huh? That's not a coincidence. I don't, I, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from uh, V for Pendetta is when the main character V with the mask that everybody wears around for all these protests and shit says, I like God, do not play with dice. And to me, it just really says that, like, you know, everything happens for a reason. If I could, like, I could go on for days just telling people about all the random coincidences that turned out in my life that got me to where I'm at, that without those things happening, I wouldn't fucking be here. Yeah, I mean, it is strange. And I mean, that's exactly why I named it this, like, because it comes to a point where it's like, am, I was thinking to myself, am I going to fucking sink back into what I was doing? Am I going to just tread water hopelessly? Or am I going to fucking do something special in life and and fly and they try to make something amazing out of like this pile of shit i've created no we're gonna get on keto optimize our brains and <laughs> right. fly away exactly so speaking of keto yeah at what point were you like i want to get into cajun i want to fight people and i want to be in the best possible shape humanly possible well i was in my mom's womb no i mean and that's literally where it comes from i it came it comes from ancestors and ancestors and gods and gods before me has spoken to me ever since i was a little child to be a fighter i was five years old and i had these little action figures and i used to make them fight i used to watch john claude van damme movies all day on repeat (laughs) and i used to study every movement blood sport Quest. I used to yeah, love all that kickboxer, shit. all of them. Yeah. Lion's heart. That's where I get uh, my logo from right here, which is actually the lion because I have the heart of a lion. John Claude Van Damme was. I watched <laughs> that dude. I, dude, I literally like three or four months ago, I watched all his movies again. Yeah, you know, no, me too. Because yeah. I they're fucking, all on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, that shit. And I went through a Bruce uh, Lee phase where I watched all those movies. Yeah. It's harder for me to get into the Bruce Lee's because it's too animated. It's just too animated for me. I, I've tried and tried, and I get like 20 minutes in, and I'm just like, where's John at? Yeah. <laughs> Had enough. Yeah. What about Chuck Norris? I never really got much into Chuck Norris. I like um, uh, Michael J. White. He's a badass. I don't know if I know who what that is. What about Keanu Reeves and John Wick? I've never seen John Wick. Whoa, ah, dude. You've never seen up. John Wick? Grab what about up. Jason Bourne? Listen, we're going to jo- cut. Jason Bourne's a badass. We're Jason gonna, Bourne's a savage. We're going to cut this early. We're just going to go watch John Wick. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, guys. we <laughs> got to go check it out. Yeah. Later, guys. Right. If somebody came in here, I just got this new puppy. And if somebody came in and killed my puppy, dude, I feel like I would have to go on a rampage yeah, like John Wick. Dude, Keanu Reeves is John Wick. 
Okay. okay. And it's it's the most ridiculous fucking premise ever. Yeah. He's like a retired assassin. Okay. Right? right. And somebody... He gets a dog from his wife who dies. And somebody comes and kills his fucking dog in his house. And, and steals goes, his car. And steals his car. And then for three straight movies, he's hand-to-hand combat murdering motherfuckers. The, Left the death, and right. The death counts are like 300 people a movie. Oh, wow. The whole That's movie awesome. is like... Just fucking merciless Over killing. this dog, bro. <laughs> yeah, for three awesome. movies, it's so badass. I feel dude. like it has to have something to do more with than just the dog. Well, it was his wife, who, his dying wife, who he loved very much, gifted him this dog, so that way he wouldn't, like, kill himself and would have, like, a memory, an ongoing memory of her. I think and, it uh, does It does enter, like, absurdity planes. Oh, yeah. No, and it's just fucking awesome, man. They just killed the... They picked the wrong dude to fuck with, dude. There's pe- I feel like there's people out there like John Wick and, like, Jason Bourne. And when you pick, <laughs> when you decide to fuck with a person like that, you got to be prepared uh, to, to pay the consequences. I'm, I'm gonna watch that movie after this, yeah, because it's that's I've a good idea. It's so badass. It's so good. Um, but no, Blair, at at what point for real in your recovery were you like, I want to seriously start training and start fighting, like okay. making that so, commitment? So yeah, no, absolutely. I want to um, get into this shit. It was in October. Um, so of yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so shit. Uh, so you so, haven't been at this for very long then. I could have chopped my way out the womb. Bro. Okay, my bad. <laughs> no, no. Well, so it makes so sense here. that this whole thing started in October. Yeah, and you're already what on your second fight. Yeah, yeah. So um, no. And here's a little bit of a rant. Let me go on a rant and rant. Go for it. Do it. Here we go. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Dun, 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 Hit dun, it. Dun. All right. So I was I was uh I was 13 years old, and I used to hear about these badass dudes in my county that were just like certified fighters, and like I'd hear all these stories, and I'm like, wow, they sound so cool. Like that sounds legit. Mind you, I'm watching all these movies, and I'm beating up my teddy bears. And, you know what I'm saying? Hell so, yeah. So I'm like, okay, grandma, like. I need to hustle up $75 some way, somehow, and get a punching bag. And, like, I used to go mow people's lawns, and I was just a hustler. My mom was a crackhead, and, like, I used to hustle her for money all the time. But anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> I ended up with this punching bag, and, like, I would just beat the shit out of it for hours and hours till my knuckles were bloody, and then I realized I need to get some gloves. So I used to beat it up with gloves. Mm-hmm. And then I wore out those gloves a little bit, so I ended up with another pair of gloves. Well, here I am in my bedroom fantasizing, escaping reality with this punching bag. Now I have two sets of gloves, and I'm 15. Hell yeah, we're slapping those on my boys, right? No, those dudes <laughs> that I heard were certified badasses. Right. I'm going to slap them on them, and I'm going to beat okay. them all up. Here we go. Here we go. It's all on YouTube. Check it out. <laughs> so so I go to school with two pairs of boxing gloves, and I say, who wants the fight? And I'd be like, all right, let's go down to the snake trail. I'd fight one dude. I'd beat him up. I'd fight another dude. I'd beat him up. I'd fight another dude, and I'd beat him up. I always ended up on top. Like, I was just naturally gifted this with this ability to fight. Had a lot more experience than most of these kids, too, especially if you're beating this punching bag's ass every fucking day. I mean, I was 15 years old. These dudes are 18, 19, 20 years old, yeah. you know? Sure. And were you, about um, the, were you about the same size? I was big as shit. I've been, I've been the same size since I was like 13, <laughs> you know? And um, so it just time and time again, I would just bring the gloves to school and I would fight whoever, whenever, however. And then like it got to the point where like, hey, man, I'm good at this fighting. So like I would just start picking on kids in high school and beating them up, too. And then like the real anger came about and it was just just monstrosity of chaos. Um, You know, I started going to a Braxis uh, juvenile detention centers. What is a Braxis? It's like a juvenile school for like delinquent children. Yeah. Um. But so fast forward, uh, October. So no, 
17 years old, I get out of Abraxas and I meet my dad and move in with him basically the same day. Because the I, first time you've ever met him. I manipulated the judge and she let me out six months prior to my um, probation officer's recommendation, which isn't easy to do, but I'm a manipulator, mind you. So uh, 17, I move out to Meadville. And my dad's like, yeah, there's this kickboxing school in Guy's Mills um, called Southwick Kickboxing and Grappling. And, um, and my dad was like, we got to get you out there somehow. And I was like, yeah. So I, I really, really, really wanted to go. And um, I started using drugs again, and it just wasn't able to happen. Um, so that was But you in, were interested. Oh, I was very interested, yeah. Uh, I was in my dad's basement uh, beating up the same punching bag. I actually beat that punching bag through a cement wall. Um, and that's just, I would wake up, I'd drink coffee and I'd beat the punching bag and I'd pump iron, you know? And, um, fast forward 2017, six years later, I parole out to my dad's house from state prison and I had one mission in life, stay clean, get a job, get a car and go to Southwick's, you know? And, um, what's Southwick's Southwick kickboxing and grappling. That's my trainer. His name's Dale Southwick. Oh, okay. Okay. And, um, cause I, I always knew that I was meant to fight. Mm-hmm. I'd, it comes to me in my sleep. It comes to me in my daydreams. That's what I want to do. I love martial arts. Never practiced it before, but I feel like I'm just naturally good at it. I've never been good at guitar. I've tried guitar. I've never been good at skateboarding. I tried skateboarding. I tried rapping. I tried lyric, uh, writing lyrics. I tried singing. I try, I suck at everything. I'm literally <laughs> not meant for one thing in this world except for fighting and riding motocross. I'm good at two things. That's nice. going fast and punching people hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I suck at everything else in life, right? So I That's all ha- you need. I have this deep calling to like I need to do this. So yeah. so you get with this trainer. No. So I'll let not, you keep going. We're keep not going. there. Yeah, we're not there yet. So do your thing, baby. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> here we are at a studio five three one and I'm pumping iron and there's this dude in there and I get to talking to him and he's like, Yeah, I do MMA. And I was like, I like the way that sounds. Mm-hmm. Hey, my name's Blair and I do MMA. I'm a cage fighter. I need that. I right. have such a calling for this. And there was that dude telling me, right? So fast forward a week later and all I can think about is I need to get to Southwick's and I need to train. I'm like Googling this dude. Like, how can I get out to Southwick's, right? Boom. Guess who walks in the gym? There he is. The man, the myth, the legend, this big ass dude. He's 250 pounds, six foot one of just like pure kick your ass. Right. And I walk up to him. I'm like, yo, Dale. I (laughs) I was like, I was like, yo, Dale, I could kick your ass. Right. And he's like, he just looks at me as he gets up with this 75-pound kettlebell. And I was just like, no, nah, man, I'm just playing. What's going on? My name's Blair, you know. And um, I'd actually met him in 2011 because he worked at Sherwin-Williams in uh, Meadville. My dad had, my dad would literally talk to him about me all the time. And, like, Dale gets a lot of dads that talk about their sons a lot. But, like, Dale, you know, he just never met me. So, um, so that day, a week later, after talking to the MMA dude in Meadville, Studio 531, I meet him. And I'm like, yo, dude, like, I need to get out to where you train. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going through a whole lot. We're not doing a lot of training, but I was thinking about grabbing a couple guys. And uh, he w- he was living in a camper in the middle of the woods, building his house. And he had, like, a ditch dug. And he was just starting to build 
a concrete floor. And he's like, yeah, come on out. We'll, we'll do a little training. So I'm at the gym. I'm like pumping iron. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting all, you know, jacked up and built and ready to go train in the woods with this dude. Fuck yeah, dude. That sounds like the great start of an amazing story. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah keep so going. So here we go, right? I'm interested. I, 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 I have a feeling he's about to Miyagi your ass. I oh, feel, listen. I, I'm, I'm getting like Did- hardcore peanut butter falcon <laughs> flashbacks where they're looking for this pro wrestler and he lives at a trailer. In the I love the that. That's exactly movie. what's about to happen. Good. So, so here I am driving down this dirt road, like, thud, 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 like looking for this dude, right? And all of a sudden, there's this, there's these two huge posts, and this post going across, and it's like, it just looks like this cool ass thing. And then there's this wagon wheel, and then there, there's this uh, big like black Angus antlers, right? Like, mm-hmm. whatever kind of antlers they are, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, this is where Southwick's is. I can feel it, you know. And I drive up in there, and I drive down, and there's a shed a camper and a big ass hole in the ground with some cinder blocks and i'm like okay Hell yeah i get out i shake the dude's hand and he's like all right we're gonna do 250 squats and i'm like i'm here to i'm here to kickbox i just came from the gym and he's like in order to fight you need to be strong i'm like okay here goes 250 squats mm-hmm. most intimidating thing i've ever heard in my life right boom bang out 250 squats he's like all right what just just free weight no weight no weight all body weight. Just right now, get out of the fucking truck and do squats. Get out of the truck of and do 250 squats. One set. Yeah. Yeah, we ain't playing. You got to work those traps, baby. That's not traps. That's quads. That's all you got to work yeah. the quads. Yeah. Right, glutes. right. Glutes okay. is what I was There you for. go. Yeah. Okay, so you're working the glutes. Okay, now we're 250 doing... squats is a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. That ain't nothing. Like, just with, like, body weight. I mean, I go to the gym, like, a couple times a week. I'm not going to try to say I'm a fitness guru. I can barely run a mile, but I feel like 250 squats, I would, my legs would probably be burning. Oh, yeah. Then as soon as we're done with that, it's 250 jumping lunges off of one leg. So 500 altogether. That sounds fucking miserable. Right then and there. Right then and there. I'm like, I thought this dude was going to have you like be pouring cement for his fucking basement or something. That, that comes a week later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're getting there. Trust me. The gym that he's now in, like we built. Like Mr. Miyagi. The Hell wax yeah. on, wax off shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so, boom, 250 jumping lunges. I'm like, holy fuck i just came from the gym and like this is intense right and then he's like all right we're gonna do 250 donkey kicks per leg what's, a, do- is, what's a donkey kick where uh where you stay- need me to demonstrate for you yeah <laughs> <Do> you like- <laughs> yeah do it yeah just like that yeah what 250 with each leg i just donkey kick for everybody i'm sorry we don't have video for that right now but we're yeah, working yeah, on it yeah so like on your knuckles uh one leg stiff and just the other leg just donkey kicking 250 and i'm like okay this is the test so my brain goes back to never back down right you know you've my seen brain this goes straight every, back John, to never back down. every single training like movie ever has like this same introduction here yeah like here i am standing in front of mr southwick like i can't let him down i right. need to impress him like this is a this is a test like he said 250 squats because nobody's ever done 250 squats and i'm going to be the one to do 250 squats. that's right yeah so, and not only that, but like I have such OCD, I have that obsession, mm-hmm. 250, I will get 250. If you put your mind to it. I will get 250 right. or I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I'm serious. That's how my no, mind works. I, I get it, dude. I get a number in my head and either I'm going to get the number or I'm going to die. Right. Right. So here we are. And then it's just the whole night goes that way. 250 everything. 250 more. Oh, and as soon as you're done, he's like, that's the warm up. Now we're going to get. The oh, work. sweet. Oh my God. Three hours later. Three hours. Mind you, this dude just like comes crawling out of the woods and does this whole workout with me. And okay. like, does, I don't even think he broke a sweat. 
That's cool that he did it with you. Yeah. He's not just telling you what to do. He does every workout with you. Cool. Yeah, it's intense. Dude's a monster. But anyway, so so I'm like, all right, cool. This is Tuesday. My next day off is Friday. I'll be right back Friday. You know, boom, I go back out Friday. Same thing. Misery. You know, Uh, the next Tuesday, boom, he's got this other dude. Other dude's interested, you know. Me and this dude are just like rolling around in leaves, like jujitsu in the leaves, like in the middle of the woods, Hell tripping yeah. over roots, doing thousands of squats. You know, <laughs> uh, next Friday he's got this other dude. Now there's two dudes, and I'm like, cool, I'm a third dude. You know, and like I just outwork them all. Yeah, you know? I was I was gonna like my competitive nature. I, I would be like, I have to be better than these fucking dudes. Oh, absolutely. Right. So we're the the warm up was like do do a hundred squats, hundred push ups, hundred sit ups, and then ride this uh, assault bike for like forty calories in two minutes and all this stuff. And, and so it's so I want you to keep going, but this yeah. just remind this just is like that mentality. Like you've got to go down to Planet Fitness and get a membership to get a workout in. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Right. Oh, you can go out in the yard and just really fucking get going. Oh, I, w- I was built that you see this. I was built in a six by nine cell. Yeah. Like literally like push ups, pull ups, fucking. Yeah. Heavy see, bags, the, see those arms? Buckets you know filled with bricks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Right. Playing, you know? Damn. So, so this is the kind of shit you were used to. It was a little more intense. Not gonna lie, it was, uh, yeah, it it was exactly what I yearned for. It was exactly what I needed it to be. It was uh, it w- it felt so real because most things in life I'm very disappointed with. Most things, go to Walmart and buy something. It's fake. It's cheap. It's Chinese. It's generic. It sucks. And it fu- it fucking sucks, right? But like when you get something that's like tangible, that's like like this is thorough, right. you know? Like that's what I feel about Southwest yeah. training is like. This is legit. This is the real deal. This is the pain and misery I expect out of being a cage fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's legit. How much of this does clears your head from all that stress and worry and, like, bad self-talk and all that shit? You go to a different realm after the 5,000th squat. In the two and a half hours in to this pure sweating, heart beating, fight blood flight. thumping, fight or flight. I can't do it, but here I am doing it. I just did it. And here we're going to keep on going. And we're only halfway over. You go to another realm. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. it's the greatest thing I've ever just tap experienced. into that unknown potential. Yeah. Everything 100%. If I, if I, if I say, Tyler, do 250 squats and you say, Blair, there's no way I'm going to tell you there is no way because you just told me there's no way. Hmm. Tyler, do 250 squats. Okay, I'm going to do that. You're going to do that. And you're going to be like, holy fuck, I just did 250 squats. And you're going to feel great about yourself. And that's every single time I open the door to Southwick's gym, he says, do 250, do 500, do do 1,000. So how, how long did this this style of workout keep going before you guys were like, got into grappling and got into the fighting. Yeah. So here we are like rolling around in the woods and I'm like, dude, like where's the gym at? And he's like, we're building it. Mind you, it's October. And I'm like, you barely have a basement. Like, what are we really doing? Like I'm ready to go to the UFC and you have me rolling around in sticks with dudes. I'm way better (laughs) than like, where are we doing? And I, and basically I was like, I need to pray this dude a building. Because he was going through some things. Like, he was going through a divorce, and he lost everything in the divorce, you know. And, like, he was rebuilding his life. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I need a building to train at. So I went home that night, and I prayed. And I said, 
God, give us a place to train. Well, Dale calls me the next day and he says, Blair, I got a building. The scoreboard in the fifth ward. And I'm like, wow, an old bar. Perfect. Like, this is great. Just like home. Just like home. So, yeah, no, legit. <laughs> right. Legit. That's your home court, dude. I can imagine. If yeah. you're out here fighting everybody else, there's definitely been, I'm sure you've definitely been in a few barroom brawls. Oh, dude, let me tell you what. Yeah. That's your home court. Not, I sure. mean, I, w- I was four years old before I went my first NA meeting. Like, we grew up in the bar. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so so we, we go up into this scoreboard bar and it, like, the bar stools are there, all the liquors there, the bars there, and we're like, we're gonna turn this into a gym. And like Dale's a badass. So like I had full confidence he was gonna be able to do that. So so first day of training, we moved the chairs and we put down some mats and like we did a workout. You know? The next day we got rid of the chairs, we took the bar out, and like we did a workout. The next day we took all the bottles out. It's starting to like look like a construction site, but like let's move all the tools and like do a workout. Mm-hmm. And then like okay, now we need to chop all this you know copper tubing and like we need to start painting the walls and we need to start like building the floor and like oh yeah, but it's time to do the workout. So we're gonna move all this and then do the workout. And then you know there's a couple dudes, so we'll get the what rolling a great around. what a great fucking story to a, to building a gym. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm telling you, it sounds you. like every fight movie where like there's a like a like somebody that's trying to learn how it to fight. It had to have in like, your head felt like this destiny shit going right. on, right, dude? What I, it's still to this day. Listen, so so we build up this gym enough. I build up my skills enough, and Dale says, "Look, we got a grappling tournament." It was uh, March. Uh, we went and competed at the Arnold Classic, the world's largest sporting event, right? My first. Where was this at? Uh, down in Columbus, Ohio, at oh, okay. the convention center. That's kind of where, mm-hmm. where I grew up. Okay, cool. Um, mind it- you, I've never competed in sports, ever. You right. know, so like this is like like the first thing I've ever done. And like we've been rolling around in the leaves and now on like this bar floor and like we're going to go do this, you know? And I have full confidence that they'll like set me up for success, you know? And, um, you know, we do that. I get third place, and I'm like, "Wow, like this." Out is of great. how many? Out out of four. So I I beat one, and I lost the two. But I lost to the first one by decision after five minutes, and went the entire five minutes. I had him in an arm triangle choke, and he was like, "Either that clock was gonna run out, or I was gonna pass out." But I wasn't gonna tap out, and he was like, "You almost had me." But he was a lot more experienced. He'd been doing it since he was very, very, very young, and um. I just started and, um, but he was like, yeah, you know, you did really good. You know, I ended up doing really good. Uh, the other guy that I, I grappled with, he was a Gannon university wrestler. So, um, you know, Dale, he, so you weren't walking in, you know, these guys weren't new. Yeah. They were no spring chickens. You know, the only thing I really had at that point was like, I'm a fucking ox. Just brute strength. Yeah. Just brute strength and and like determination. Yeah. And like the pure will of like, I'm naturally gifted at this, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I did really well. Um, so, but hold on, let me, uh, let me rewind a little bit. So this is how God works, right? (laughs) So, um, so Dale's wife's mom says, Blair, how are you getting out there to the to the Arnold? How are you going to do that? And I was like, well, I'm going to drive my car if something doesn't happen to it. She's like, oh, my God, why would you say that? I said, God works every day. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, I'm, I plan on driving my car, but, like, I make plans and God laughs, you know? Right. The next day, I total that car into a telephone pole. <sighs> like, four days before I got to be out to the Arnold to, like, compete in this competition. But I knew that if I didn't total that car into a telephone pole, 
So I'd been wanting a motorcycle, right? I wanted a motorcycle. I wanted a crotch rocket. I wanted a black and red CBR 500R, right? Like that's what I wanted. Nice. And I knew that I couldn't get that with the vehicle. I had that at the time because like it, it just was requiring like $200 every couple of months. You mm-hmm. know, like I just wasn't able to gonna be able to financially do that. So, and I'd been working on my credit. So like, boom, the next day after I have that conversation with Dale's wife's mom, I total the car into a telephone pool. That day, my credit score re-ups. I go down to the bank and I'm like, look, I need a $5,000 loan because I've went to the university old heads and the old heads say, don't go to a car dealership, buy private, like go search Facebook marketplace, go look at these cars. Like you're going to end up with a way better car than to go into a dealership, you know? Mm -hmm. So I go down to the, I go down to the, the, the bank and they give me a $5,000 loan. That day, I'm driving over to the gym, and there's a Pontiac G6 two-door coupe sitting out front for 2500 bucks on my way to the gym. And the trainer's wife, Trista, she was like, Blair, you need to go down there and look at that car. That's The car is sweet. It has your name written all over it. I went down there, and I was like, look, man, I get the loan tomorrow. I'll give you 2500 bucks. Boom. Bet. Had 96,000 miles on it. Pristine car. It was beautiful. Looks like a Tesla. I don't know. It's a great car. Cool. <laughs> but, so, so, boom. Three days later, so anyway, I ended up being able to drive that car to the Arnold. You know, it's like, like it you all just worked out. It all just worked out. Right. You know, uh, two. I think it was two days after the Arnold. I was scrolling on Facebook Marketplace and I got the dream bike. If you would have said, if you would be, if if you'd ask anybody, what kind of bike do you think Blair would have? Everybody would say a black and red CBR 500R. You know, that's what they'd say, and that's the bike that I got for twenty five hundred dollars. You know. Yeah. I can't make that shit up. So it's just there goes the other half of that money. Fuck yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred eighty dollars a month. I got Is a car that and a bike. Did you drive up here in the Pontiac? No, I I drive her car. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I actually really wanted to drive the bike, but it was calling for rain, and I didn't trust it. And you know, it's pretty badass, still, man. It's a long bike ride on a crotch rocket too. I do it all the time. Yeah. I, I'm fucking on that bike for I'm, hours. And I'm hours. a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, I, I I could make. I feel like I would make that ride, but I would not like look forward to it. I don't think I have a Yamaha R6 out in the garage outside. Do you? Yeah, badass. Yeah, nice. I like it. Love the ride. Right. Cool. Yeah, let's get it in. So you're on your way down there. You drive your new car. Everything yeah. that just fell into place. Fell right into place. Couldn't even have painted it better. Right. Yeah. And this was the one you said you got third in. Yeah. Yeah, I got third place. So what was it like competing in a competition like this with the uh, absolutely really no idea it was cool it was the greatest thing ever so and you were hooked i'm assuming you wanted yeah. you wanted to do it again yeah round one square one boom shake dude's hand it's on let's go your whole body goes numb i call it the warrior's robe yeah just straight protection straight all the adrenaline in the world all the endurance all the strength you could ever need and for five minutes it was like two warriors just clashing and it was like nothing else in the like nothing felt real it was all a dream i could breathe forever i had all this strength i had you don't feel nothing it's like you're just on this complete cloud Mm -hmm. and it's like wow for five minutes i just did that and now i'm completely out of breath i feel like i'm gonna puke and they want me to go back out there and grapple another dude right you know it's like it's it's the yeah. good so there's no space this. in between these like rounds or these tournament competitions it all depends i mean there uh i was in the 230 pound weight class so there was only four of us 230 you weighed 230 pounds Is that right now no i just cut january 31st of 2000. 
21, I cut to 205 to fight Liam Solsquist in the cage. I defeated him, second round, guillotine. And then I never went back up and wait. Dude, so I that, stayed at 205. That's the videos I saw. Yeah. I saw you fucking somebody up. He was a Division One athlete on the practice squad for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a tight end at 250 pounds. He was a million-dollar baby. He'd been bred since he was a child to be mm-hmm. an athlete. Six foot five, 250 pounds, cut down to 220 as a boxer, decided to enter the cage at 205 as an MMA fighter, and I went in there and just fucked him up. Wow. Hell yeah. Yeah. So mind you, before I met Dale... How I'd, long... How Okay, so timeline real quick. You started in October, October 2020? Yes. And then what? What? when was it? How much longer was it when you did this fight? That you want. So that would have been October of 2020. Was it 2019? It would have been October of 2019. Okay. Yeah, so it was right at the beginning. Right before of, COVID. Right at the beginning, yeah. Right or before the tournament COVID. was like right around COVID. The tur- yeah, the tournament was like March 30th. It was like right when COVID started to become a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you just had your second fight. I just had my second. I actually, on my way up here, August 14th, we'll be fighting in Erie. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just got my third fight scheduled. We're at in Erie. Tell us about it. More Put, likely Give it to our thousands of give listen, listeners. Well, are you all ready for this? Yeah. So uh, August 14th, we'll be fighting at the Bayfront Convention Center through Bizarro's promotion. Uh, I'll be fighting August 18th at a catchweight of 195. I don't know who my opponent is yet, but we'll be there. They're in trouble, what, dude. What weight are you fighting at? 195. So you're going to cut even... So I'm actually probably, if I stepped on the scale, I'd probably be 199 right now. Okay. So I'm good. I'm, I'm working to getting towards 185. So I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk quick about... Um, How tall to, are you? Sorry, real quick. Six foot. Six foot. Yeah. And you want to fight at 185. That's okay. Correct. So your second fight. Yeah. The one that just happened, right? Yeah. What happened? Uh, well, this is what happened. So, uh, there's a matchmaker. Her name's Nicole. She's great. She's, uh, very thorough. She, uh, she really believes in the fighters and she likes to equally match everybody. I'm, I'm a fucking tank, man. You know, it's hard to match a tank. However, I don't have a lot of the experience. I don't have a lot of the jujitsu experience. I don't have a lot of the kickboxing experience. I just got like, I'm going to kill you. What would you say your main style is that you're, you're like doing jujitsu, but you're new to it? Yeah, I mean, we do kickboxing and grappling, so it's a form of jujitsu. It's just, it's just all around just joint manipulation. But you're basically trying to learn everything, right? Yeah, like these guys aren't just like they might specialize in jujitsu, but they're they're learning wrestling and they're learning boxing and they're learning yeah. Muay Thai, kickboxing, and everything. well, that's the thing is like this dude. I might go into a cage and fight somebody that's a professional boxer, mm-hmm. but in the MMA world, he's O and O and an amateur. So like I'm going in here like I'm fighting an O and O amateur. You're both newbies, but we're in both re- newbies. In reality, but in reality, this dude's already a black belt in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's up to the matchmaker to like go on my profile, search me, go on his profile, search him. You right. know, so so the matchmaker matched me with this dude. He was a Ohio State wrestler. He was um, two and O in the cage and a blue belt in jujitsu. He had been training four years after college, so he was quite more advanced uh than than what i would say that i was so i went in there i fought my heart out i got out wrestled and uh he bleep, beat me to a bloody pulp i couldn't get him off me there was an uh there was one way this dude was, was it the, was it the first time you felt 
like, God damn, this dude's a fucking beast. No, I've I've been in a lot of fights. Yeah. You know, um, I've been knocked out cold plenty of times. I've been beaten to a bloody pulp before. But it not, I mean, it must have been difficult with that mentality of like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, speak this victory into fucking destiny, and like I'm gonna win this off pure passion and just determination. And yeah, like, it is. It definitely is hard. I mean, to speak things into existence, like you have to believe that the outcome is going to be. You know, um, at the end of the day, everybody knows that. I can I'm, I can sit here and say I'm going to win every last fight. Right. Of course, you'd be stupid not to say that. Right. You know what I mean? Got to have some self confidence. At the end of the day, I have humility. I know that we're all equal. I know I could walk out there and dude could have just knocked me out. I know that I'm prone to that. You know what how, I mean? So how many rounds was this? Uh, first round, two minutes thirty three seconds in. Wow. Yeah, and so. it was knockout. No, it was. You- uh, I tapped out. He got me in a rear naked choke. Okay. And you got two black eyes, huh? Oh, I, I come out of there looking like the Goonies. I was bleeding out of both eyebrows, both eyes, both nose. My mouth was gushing blood. He was covered in bl- blood. I was covered in blood. The mat was covered so this, in blood. So is this dude a pro boxer? <laughs> no, he, he was a grappler. Wow. Yeah, he was. Uh, he fucked you up, huh? Yeah. What oh, do you yeah. take away from a fight like that? I will never get trapped. In, I'll never have somebody in top mount again and not be able to get out. I'll figure out. I'm. I'm. My next June 12th, we have a grappling tournament, so I'm going to be focusing on a lot of grappling. Uh, with this fight coming up in August, I'm going to be focusing on a lot of grappling. Um, it's probably helpful. It's probably helpful to have the dude probably pointed out some weaknesses. Oh, 100. percent There's only one way to beat me, and that's exactly what he did. If I fix that, good luck. Do you think he prepared for that and knew that going into the fight? 100. percent Yeah. Yeah, I did all my research. I knew how I was going to beat him. You think he watched your first fight? Oh yeah, I, w- I would assume. I mean, yeah, you don't go into these. Bl- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody yeah. watches film. I'm yeah. sure at this level. Yeah, 100. Uh, percent Wow. Yeah. And he so, just executed that plan but yeah, you, better than you could. Kudos to him. I I, I shook his hand uh, afterwards, and I said, "Wow, man, congratulations! Like you just defeated a fucking monster." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, kudos to you. So, how, do you think uh, it's more beneficial to your um, experience level, or your like learning or training to lose or to win? Uh, my first fight asked me what I won from my first fight. What did you win for your first fight? No, what did I learn? What did you learn from your first Nothing. fight? Nothing. Yeah. What did I learn from my second fight? I don't know. What did you learn? A lot. Yeah. You you learned from a loss. You don't really learn a whole lot from a win. Yeah. You, you know what you did. You went in there, you did it, and it's done. Mm-hmm. A loss? No, you learn. Yeah. You know what I mean? As an amateur, my record doesn't mean anything. They it's, say that a lot in recovery is what, you know what I mean? That we learn from our mistakes. You know, our mistakes are good things and our obstacles are challenges are the ways that we grow and develop and learn. So I was just interested to see if that applied here. I was No, funny you say that. Actually, you know what I did after I lost? What's that? I went and read chapter seven of the basic text, which is recovery and relapse. Yeah. I found the holes in my game. I fixed it and I'll come back stronger. There you go. That's exactly what I did. Good. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's what I practice. I don't want to say I'm doing it. I don't want people to think that I'm arrogant and cocky and, and extremely You are confident. wearing your own shirt right now. Yeah. Well, of course. I got to represent. You know? <laughs> I, I, do have a, I do have a very level head. You know, there's way more bigger picture than just the fighting. Yeah. At this point, I got mothers of kids sending me pictures of their kids saying, Blair, I just tried to take my kid to get a haircut. And he wouldn't let the barber give him anything except uh-huh, anything except yeah. for a mohawk. Good shit. Because that kid looks up to you. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it's all about. Because Hell I yeah. remember being a kid 
and having people to look up to that were scumbags. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I remember not ever having anybody to look up to as a kid. And I remember the big kid mm-hmm. and how much they meant to me. Yeah. And, like, their every single movement. If they if the big kid looked at me, I'd be like, yeah, he's looking at me. If the big kid talked to me, I'd be like, yeah, big kid talked to me. You know right. what I mean? Like, I'm out here talking to kids. Like, you know, like, that's what it's all about. Hell, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, there were there was probably 14 houses of people sitting in their house, inviting their friends over, eating pizzas, watching the pay-per-view on their TV, cheering for me. That's not this even fight what it's was on pay-per-view. Yeah, what cool. it was about was the unity and fellowship. Uh-huh. Twelve people came, bought a table, come and watch me fight. Had a great time. Had a great weekend. Sweet. Like that's what it's about. Like yeah. either a doer, or you're a watcher. Like I'm a doer. Come watch. Cool. You know what I mean? I love it, dude. So I was born you, for this. So you. These are amateur fights, right? Yeah. So how does somebody, an amateur, what do you have to do to become a pro? Um, Win. Keep, keep doing it. Keep learning. Um, yeah. I believe I have to win seven fights. And that's just what Dale, my trainer. So everybody's kind of different. It all depends on the trainer. Do you, I don't have it completely figured out yet, but Dale told me, it's like, you need to win seven amateur fights. If you lose 20, it doesn't matter. Win seven. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go pro. The more you lose as an amateur, the more you learn as an amateur. Once you go pro, that's when the, like the winning and lossing kind of matters because, right. like, as an amateur, it's just it's a record that goes away. Mm-hmm. And as a pro, you don't want to be losing all your fights. You're trying to work your way up. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want your. I mean, lose fit the amateur fights. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of learning that you did, right. you know. And then go pro, and then don't lose. Right. You know. So how vigorously are you working out right now? I mean, yeah. You know, walk us through your work, your workout routine. For I've a been wanting day. to get to that too. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, today uh, I went to the gym at one, and I did a heavy deadlift superset with a bench press. Um, kept my heart rate up. Uh, intervaled with burpees and do a shoulder routine. I did that for about two hours. Mm-hmm. I went late in a tanning bed because it's like a sauna, and you just pour sweat. Sure. After I was done with that, I went for a run for like two hours. You know, went for a little jog, up uphill sprints. Um, and you know, like, that's how I get it, man. I get it. Like, like I want to feel like I redline, you know, like every day, every day. Yeah. Well, mostly, no, not every day. You know, everything's about balance when I feel like it, you know, Conor McGregor, he talks a lot about that. Like I work out when I feel like it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, man, you know, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it, it don't matter. I, you know, when I go, I go and I get it. What's your diet look like? I eat the same thing every day. Um, people are always like, Blair, what's that that you're eating? What's in that bowl? I'm like, lion's food. <laughs> you know, people are like, well, what do you mean? What do lions eat? I don't know. Lions eat this. You lions eat I mean? lion food, motherfuckers. Lions eat lion's food. You know what I'm saying? I eat the superfoods, man. Yeah. I eat the superfoods. Uh, food is medicine. Chicken, broccoli, rice. What is that? What's superfoods for us? Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, there's. I, I think there's, I want to say that there's 23 of them. I don't know if there's like a limited of 23, but I know that there's like a 23 top common superfoods. And like, I don't believe in taking medicine, man. You know, I don't. So you don't take any uh, like protein shakes or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Protein is very essential to okay. building muscle. Yeah. But no medicine. So what? what's no medicine mean? So like, so here's a whole nother story of the podcast. You know, we, we talked about recovery a lot. We talked about Blair's training a whole lot. And then um, like, you know, we could always move into like mental health and like 
how a little bit of diet exercise can like cure mental health. A lot of times. What else can diet and exercise cure? What can you cure with a proper diet and proper nutrition, taking a proper supplement, like take your vitamins. Yeah. Like, like what is vitamin D? What is vitamin C? What is vitamin E? What is magnesium? What is glucosamine? What is turmeric? What, what are all these things? What are all these herbal supplements that like the, the Indians did like ancient ancestors? Like what is this eat leaves for like the first medicine is always water. Yeah, right. Like everybody's quick to like take a pill, but drink a gallon of water a day. God forbid. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. Or work out instead of uh, take this pill for my high cholesterol or diabetes or whatever it is that's working. Like people are suffering from. Yeah, one hundred. I'm I'm completely with it. Like vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, magnesium, fish oil. That shit. That shit. I take every day. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I always relate it to like, uh, you know, when we used to use, we used to use drugs every day, you know, like, like you want to be an optimal human, like this is what it takes, like that brain feud that, you know, let's feed our organs, let's feed our skin, let's take care of ourselves, let's preserve, you know. So what is this lion food? Yeah, what's lion food? Lots and lots of chicken? No, it's it's uh it's lots super and lots of superfoods. Like yeah. like I'm talking, I got a half a scoop of brown rice, which is uh good for a, a good carb. You know, I got Fast a handful burning. of broccoli. Uh, broccoli, broccoli's great for cleaning out the liver. You know, uh, and now I don't, I don't. It's a little bit of bro science. I would like so. So when you say bro science, are you referring to bro science from YouTube? Because that guy's fucking hilarious. No, I don't know exactly what oh. you're talking about. What I'm saying is that like I'm not a doctor. Okay. I'm not a personal trainer. Sure. I'm not a nutritionalist. I am somebody that like did a little bit of research. I've read every mental health. And see, health... What's, see what, what, what's working what works. for you. Yeah, what works for me. You know, I read every Maybe mental health. Maybe what for your trainer. Yeah, right, exactly. I mm-hmm. read every men's health magazine from 2015 to 2017. Men's health and muscle fitness, every one of them, front to cover. I still have them, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, even being out for the past four years, like, I go on YouTube and, like, I see I see a whole bunch of stuff, sure. you know? And, I, you know, I listen to some podcasts, like, what works? You know, I actually just ordered three bottles on it, which is, like, what Joe Rogan takes. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try that out. Sure. You know what I mean? Why not, right? Yeah, why not? Let's optimize the What brand. about bees pollen? I don't know a whole lot about bees. It's pollen. a superfood. Well, let's go. What's I got up? it. Yeah, dude. yeah. Do you? I try. Well, yeah. I never take it though. We do rails of it or what? No, no. <laughs> no we can. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's a great way to ingest it, but I usually take a little capsule. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know. Um, that's so, a- avocados. Yeah. You eat avocados? Oh yeah. yeah. I eat them every day. Yeah. How many absolutely. calories? So uh, through like the Fitbit app. And like on my phone, mm-hmm. um, I've averaged it out at probably like thirty five hundred, maybe four thousand. That's a lot. That's just like what I log. You know, I'm not perfect by right. any means. Um, you know, so it's like, yeah, no, at least it is a lot. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I I've I ate like three to four thousand calories for like a solid three months and went from like one hundred five to one twelve and then couldn't get any higher than that. Yeah, and that was a lot of like fucking eight, food. Eight thousand. That was ridiculous amounts of food, especially yeah. like I'm a small fucking dude, and I just felt like I was gonna throw up all the time. Four thousand calories is no joke. If I wear a Fitbit during one of my workouts, it says that I burn five to six thousand calories a day. Right, like wow. throughout my workouts. So you, I mean, so are you losing weight naturally right now to get down to your uh, goal weight? Yeah, I don't do like an extravagant, extravagant uh, water cut. I don't do like a, a cutting weight type thing. I try to right. stay more natural and stay within like five pounds. Like I won't drink water for two days leading up to a fight, and then like drink some water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the that's the most that I go with uh, like cutting weight. Right. Yeah, I try to stay more. A lot of people natural. do that very unhealthily, right? So. A lot of people would be like, well, who's to say it's unhealthy? You know, yeah. um, whether it is or isn't, it definitely does. 
you know, it, it can't it can't be just it can't be good. You know what I mean? It can't be it can't be versus doing it just like natural. Can't be you know? optimal. Yeah, yeah, it can't be optimal. It can't be. You know, they say they do that because it's like, ha ha. Now I weigh twenty more pounds than you when we're in the cage because I lost twenty pounds in a week and I just gained it back in three hours. You right. know, and that's how it is. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like a lot of people cut from two hundred to one eighty five. Like it's fifteen pounds, but like at the fight now they weigh two hundred. You know, and it's like I don't want to be that way. I want I want to go in there just like lean, mean fighting machine, right. like full of energy, well carved up, like full energy let's go mm-hmm. so um but no i do so here's another god thing um i pull into my parking lot uh today like right before i come out here and my landlord he's a he's 68 years old he's a construction worker he owns his own company has all of his apartments and stuff he works 80 hours a week and like he's 68 years old and like he doesn't really eat that much but mm-hmm. uh for the past year he's been going through like a lot of pain and stuff like that and and he was telling me he's like Blair they put me on this pill to fix my stomach because I'm on so many pills and it's messing up my stomach so they put me on another pill right you know and that it's makes like sense. dude how many people do you know that like go to the doctor with some little problem and like they just give them a pill like hello big pharma right. we see you like give me another pill. Yeah, I bet you, you will, you know? <laughs> and it's like, but no, you won't. And, and it does fall down onto the individual. Like, like, yeah, you'll take another pill, but will you drink a gallon of water every day? Yeah. No. Oh, you'll take another pill, but will you go to the gym for 45 minutes a day? No. Oh, you'll take another pill, but are you willing to eat a piece of kale every day? Are you willing to eat one carrot every day? Are you willing to eat an apple every day? Are you willing to eat a banana every day? Are you willing to eat cheese seeds, flax seeds? What yeah. are you willing to do? Take another pill? I bet you you will. Right. You know, and it's like, like that is, that's another part of the program is like, I've, I, dude, I'm... T- Let's pull up my mental illness on Google, uh, right? Uh, I got OCD, I got bipolar, I I'm I've borderline personality disorder. I, uh, I these thought, are all things you've been diagnosed. They with? thought that a point, yes, diagnosed. Uh, borderline personality disorder, uh, OCD, uh, bipolar, antisocial, all these things, right? All these things. I've been on meds my entire life, which I, I'm not seeing like any of this right now. Yeah, because I eat kale guy. every day. Look at Tony's face. Right. I, I mean, you, what do you got to say, Tony? I, I would say that a lot of different people show a lot of different characteristics of a lot of different mental health situations, like mental health disorders, but very rarely, at least in my experience, a lot of times, most of them are very easily treatable through like spiritual changes and working a 12 step program and all that stuff. And then the symptoms kind of start to reduce themselves because people are, uh, you know, making changes. But like if we were looking at DSM, we could, I'm sure that. Between the three of us, just like listening to this conversation, we could identify different characteristics that would fall into those categories. But that doesn't mean any of us are sick or any of us have those, you know, kinds yeah. of illnesses. No, we're freaking human beings. Right. We are animals. We're supposed you know, to have. We're supposed to have emotions. Yeah. Right. One hundred percent. Exactly. But, it, but it, I mean, it is fucked up to like. I mean, ninety percent of the food at the grocery store is shit. Yeah. Animal, you know, <clears throat> pumped full of chemicals, steroids. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the it's animals crazy. aren't treated right. They're fed fucking garbage. Um, you look at the label on like everything, and it, it's horrible for you. Yeah, it disgusts you know, me. Kid, stuff for kids is horrible for you. Shit, you can't pronounce stuff that's yeah. like organic isn't actually organic. Stuff for kids is full of sugar and fake sugar. Corn syrup. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it. And you wonder why, you know, everybody's underpaid. 
you wonder why everybody's miserable and on fucking pills. Yeah. And, there, and there's definitely people that are benefiting from this. And it's, oh, not, and it's not us. And I don't think that it's completely those people. A lot of people, I think, are stuck in this cycle of uh, poverty where it's really hard to adjust that ki- to that kind of lifestyle, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm dirt poor. I'm on welfare. I get food stamps or whatever. I'm disabled. I'm I can't work. Um, blah 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 you know whatever is going on in people's lives that like hey I can't afford a gym membership hey I can't afford to buy like healthy food for myself or my family to eat or yeah like, me neither right yeah me too yeah <laughs> what's your excuse hashtag me too right yeah, yeah 100% me <laughs> yeah. too buddy you know what I'm saying like like, dude, I grew up on food stamps. I grew up on eating government right. cheese. I got offered $800 a month because I'm bipolar, $200 a month worth of food stamps and free medical insurance and Section 8 housing. Mm-hmm. Like, I could have took that route. Right. I, I could have did that work part-time and sold dope. So you what do you know think I mean? made the difference between you and these other people? God reached out and just, like, fucking touched my heart, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A, so, like, so. But is that is that lifestyle good enough for you? You know what I mean? I could settle with that. Right. I it, could. That would be easy for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, I could you swim. could. I could tread water. You yeah. know what I mean? Probably end up like gradually sinking. And like, like, yeah, a lot of people do. And a lot of people could. Right. That's what makes me sick. That's why I'm here on that podcast. That's why I'm here, man. Because like, I, 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 me too. Because like, yeah, man, like, what is your excuse? Like, come on, let's go get a job, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. let, like, let's put in that work. Oh, like I have a job. All right, let's budget your money a little better. Let let's go come to the store with me. Right. Man. Let's work on these things. Yeah, and, and let a lot me of teach you just, how to shop. They just aren't ready to to put in that work yet. You know, you can lead the horse to the water. You can't make him drink. Right. Yeah. But I be, I believe deep down it's like, okay, right. Like like you can lead the horse to water. You can't make him drink. You know. But like that horse doesn't have any hope. Right. That horse doesn't have any hope to the fact that like that he can't gonna break the better. poverty. Right. He's never seen somebody come from where he comes from and, and do, do it. it. Yeah. I'm here to tell you we're doing it. I'm here to tell you I am that. I am from that. That is my background. Right. Me too. Right. You got to quit making an excuse. You got to know that you too coming from where you come from can too cross that line. You can too have a money, uh, a bank account full of money. You too can have a couple extra hundred dollars to get on a plane to fly down to a beach and swim in the ocean. You too can have money to go to Red Lobster if you wanted to. Red Lobster was on my bucket list when I was 25 years old. Yeah. I was 18 before I ever ate Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It was a big deal for me to go to Burger King. Right. It was a big deal. Like I grew up poor. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, me too, man. But you too can. You too can come out. You too can come to the other side through a little bit of hard work. Right. You might have to work hard, man. I'm sorry. Everybody's got to work hard. (laughs) Buck up. You know? Oh, man. Like, here, eat this food every day. Take these vitamins every day. Take your gun power. Go to work. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, I, like, call me when you're having a bad day. I'll help you. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the grocery store with you. I'll show you how to shop. Right. You ain't got to go to Quick Fill and buy a little sandwich every day for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get you a little bit of steak and eggs. Let's show you how to cook. Do you even know what a frying pan is? Let's show you how to turn on that stove. Let's show you how to cook. Let's show you how to cook up, cook up on your own medicine. You know what I mean? Like, let me... 
Man, I could talk. I could, I'm, yeah, let get, me talk. Go me going, in, dude, man. Right. Look, John Lennon said the only way you're going to change the world is through music. Go turn on the radio. Listen to the music these days. It sucks. We've talked up. about this a few times. It's bad. Whipping up crack in the pot. You know what I'm saying? I like, I, I like whip that. Whip up kind on of some shit, cooking though. in the in the crock pot. Like, why can't you come out with music like that? Like, you there's some people that do. Absolutely, yeah, right. There is, a, but there they're is. not on the radio. They're not on the radio. No, but, you know? but they aren't for everybody to listen to. You're speaking to the hopeless who who can't see a way out, and they have a million excuses because there's no way out. Because and, that was me, and that was me too. Right. You know. Yeah. Wake up. Let's go. We we came from two different backgrounds, kind of, but that same feeling. Yeah, and that's, shared, shared. That's the commonality, right? That's that bond. So many people want to separate and make these differences and say, you know, my shit is different than yours. You would never understand. But like at the end of the day, we all are human beings, and we all feel the same core emotions, which are happiness, sadness, anger, and fear. And when we boil it down to it. Any situation or any circumstance or any feeling that we are going through is those same four core emotions, which we can all identify with just as human beings, not even addicts, but Fuck like, yeah. we're, we're all just humans, you know what I mean? And we all run off the same shit and separating ourselves doesn't get us anywhere. You know, we need to find our common ground so we can build and learn and get where we need to go. You know, I think a lot of people need to be taught on how to live, right? How to, how to live. How to, I mean, it, it even goes to the point of like, how do you book a cruise? How do you book a flight? How do you plan a vacation? How do you get an Airbnb? How do you how lease do you a book car? A, how do you lease a car? How do you right? get an apartment? How do you get an apartment? How do you go grocery shopping? How do you do these things? And like, and then it's like to the point of like, well, they don't want to learn. They don't want to learn. They don't want to learn. Who are, who are we? Who are we to teach? Who are we to teach? Right. So it's like, okay. So, and it's super easy to blame the system. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I should have been prepared for this by my education, by the government, by my parents, by whoever, you know, should have guided me through this situation and I didn't have anybody. And it's so easy to just be like, well, you know, nobody cares about me enough to teach me these important skills that like, fuck it, you know, this is just what I am now. And that's what we're here for. Right. You know? Fuck yeah, dude. So that goes along with that story. Um, He who blames has a long way to go, you know? That's exactly what you just touched on. There. Exactly. Just yeah. like that. So I, I do want to mention this just real quick. Um, like I said earlier, I, I never drove. I, I was uh, 25 years old before I ever got a driver's license. So I used to walk. I used to walk everywhere. I used to walk to the grocery store. I used to carry bags and bags. You know, actually, I used to skateboard to the grocery store and then skateboard home uphill with like bags of groceries, you know, whatever. But like, and if I wanted to do a doctor's appointment, like I had to walk, whether it was in the middle of winter or not. And I used to see all these people driving by me with all these cars and like not once did anyone ever stop and be like, Hey man, you want to ride? You know, now I understand like in the world that we live in nowadays, like nobody picks up hikers, don't talk to strangers, things like that. But it's like, so when I got a car, I was like, you know, if I see that one dude just like walking, trudging in the middle of the winter, like I'm going to stop and offer him a ride. Cause like, I know how much that would have meant to me. Right. You know? So here I was the perfect opportunity to practice what I preach. I was driving and I seen this kid. He was, he was probably a student cause he was walking from a technical school. He had a backpack on. He was a grown man. He was an adult, but I pretty sure he was walking from this technical school. Mm-hmm. Decent kid. Right. And I'm, and I'm watching him. I'm like, I just stop and offer him a ride. Cause this is I my chance. I, this is my chance. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I said, who am I to rob that man of his characteristic building and journey journey 
right? Because those long trudging walks built me. Yeah. If somebody would have stopped and offered me a ride every time, they would have robbed me of my journey. Right. I can give you all the recovery in the world, but I'd rob you of the journey. Right. So, so it's kind of like, okay, well, let me just like travel behind him and make sure he's safe. So we're going to make sure he doesn't die out here in the blistering cold. Right. You know, like if he starts to fall out, I'll, I'll offer him a ride. You know what I mean? But like, no, I'm going to let that man persevere. I'm going to let that man get it. But Mm -hmm. I think it's very essential that people like us sit down on podcasts like this and hope that a person does hear it. You know, I, I really think that this is very essential. Not to say like, look, over there is the stream and I come from where you come from and it's very possible for you to drink out of it. Right. And that's like all that we really can do because we can't lead every horse to the water. We got to find that balance. Right. Yeah. Especially at working in like the mental health field, you know, how, how much am I taking away this person's struggle versus helping, uh, facilitate their struggle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like enabling. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just, I can just relate to that so much, like being cut off from most friends and, family being 30 years old and moving into a three-quarter house with a, literally a trash bag of clothes right and, and most of them don't fit because they're from your strung out days and you gain 30 pounds in a rehab and, and then you know you're walking three four miles to a job and and then you build yourself like a little motorized bike that you got off ebay to get yourself to a job and right taking the bus for, dude, first walking you, those first walks you think those it's were, like you think it's so badass but then when you're you realize you realize how embarrassing it really is. I'm laughing so hard because I watched all this unfold on Facebook. Right, <laughs> it's great. I watched your journey. It's great. Hell yeah, um, I love this. Those those bus rides and those long walks before having a license are definitely like part of that struggle. That built it you. Humble, like that for me, you. that was a huge humbling experience. You know what I mean? I needed yeah. that to like bring me back down from this entitled, arrogant, fucking yeah human being that I'd become through my active addiction. And you want to hear a god thing? So. You probably saw this on Facebook, too. Of course I want to hear a guy. I didn't mean to cut you off, Tony. No, go. But, so, yeah, this shit, for for two years, right? Uh, Living in a halfway house. Now, suddenly, you know, I got a couple guitars. I'm starting to do what I love a little bit again. I'm fucking going to work. I'm not calling off. I'm getting raises. First time anybody said, dude, you're doing a great job. Like, we're going to give you more money. Like, I was like, what? What? Yeah, Yeah, when your boss says, hey, come over here. I want to talk to you. You're like, oh, fuck. I'm in trouble yeah. now. I'm fired. Yeah. You know, he's seen the real me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that oh, one little tiny thing I did last week is finally coming to catch so, up with so, me. So, yeah, following through with my word, when I'm supposed to have my kid, I'm, I have my kid. Right. This kind of stuff, right, for two yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, I come home from the new year. This was, uh, yeah, just this new year. And uh, I, I was out of town, I think, with my family in Ohio. And I come back and I get a letter from the DMV that had been sitting there all weekend. And it's like... You know, you can you can drive again, um, but you've got to get the interlock system, the blow. You got to pay all these fines, right. all, all this shit. And I'm still paycheck to paycheck, just trying to dig myself out of this fucking hole. Um, I was like, oh my god, that's impossible. It's going to be like two, three G's just to get on the road, and I don't even have a car. You know, I could wrap my head around the fines and getting on the road, but like, I don't even have a car. So I'm now looking at like. Potentially four, five, six thousand dollars before I get anywhere. You just scratch it off. It seems impossible. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at at least a year. Yeah, literally like ten days later, a buddy in recovery is like, "Hey, dude, I noticed uh, that you don't drive and you got a son and it's winter time. Like, what's up? Do you 
you walking around because you you like the fucking view? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. But but she was like, you, I could get behind, you know. So I was like, Nah, dude. I I just. I, it's funny you say that. I just literally was set, told I could get my license back. Like I'm working through all this shit. And he goes, Well, listen, I just got uh, this car already. You know, it just came out of the shop. It's fresh inspected, new brakes, new tires, all this shit. He said, uh, You know, it's older, but you're more than welcome to have it. You can come pick it up. Right. You know what I mean. That's getting the most blessed, incredible getting story. Getting blessed ever. like that it, it, is it, fucking it, it's a game changer for and, so and many th- people. This is that car that I just drove six hours today, you know. Yeah. Uh, a little Jetta. And it just you know, it's changed my life entirely. Like it's for the first time I could go pick my boy up from school. Yeah. You know, he comes out of the school right. and he's like see his dad that he had, that's never that's never been well, he's just in kindergarten now, so Yeah. But this whole year went by and I finally was able to do that. You know, I can pick him up and we can go out for ice cream. And it's just this this little thing that this person tell you, you know what? It's probably a car sitting, in, you know, a car sitting in the driveway. Like I don't fucking need it. Got some on my tongue. Um, but yeah, it that that kind of shit is crazy, man. And, and it and it and I wouldn't have pre- appreciated it if it was day one, right? Right. If it was day one in the halfway house and somebody's like, "Hey, I'll give you a car," you're like, "Got yeah, yeah, you will." Because for some reason, I earn a fuck. I I deserve a car. Do you think that- he took away your struggle? No, dude, I, it was the right, perfect time because it was two solid years of what you're talking about. Yeah, right. tragic. You had worked meeting God it. halfway, and not you, you got to meet him halfway. Right, you got to put your time in, dude. Blair, we're so grateful that you came on. I yeah, thought absolutely. this was fucking killer. Yeah, excuse the language. I don't. Know. Does the language bother you? No, it don't bother me. You want to have kids listening, right? Yeah, dude, that one 12 year old that with the mohawk that won't get his hair cut any other fucking ways. Listen to all yeah. of us swear right no, now. No, you know what? You are absolutely right. It is, excuse our, excuse yeah, excuse our language. Excuse us. Sorry, you know? little kid <laughs> out there for listening. Yeah. Uh, we apologize. <laughs> Not perfect, right? Yeah. But, you know what's funny about that is actually just what's so funny about that. I got to share this because just today, I, I don't put swear words on Facebook. Like I might put like a F money sign at sign K. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I don't blatantly swear on my Facebook. But just today, if you watch my story, I'm pretty sure that it says the f word like 24 times, and I don't know why. I couldn't get away from it because, and it's not. I didn't even say it. There was like this story that I was like, "Oh wow, this is so cool. I got to share that to more story." And as soon as I had that thought, it it was like, "Oh fuck!" And boom. But I had already shared it, and I'm like. Well, there's one. Oh, I really try not to do that. But then, but then I had I was I was working out and I had a uh, I made like a little promotion video for one of my sponsors and the cameraman was like, "This dude's a fucking animal." And I'm like, "I got to put that on my story." And there's another swear word. I'm like, "There's two fuck words in one day on my story." And then I, just before I got up here, there was another one. And I'm like, "What the heck is going on with all these fuck words on my story today?" <laughs> you know. And I didn't even realize it until I went back and look at it. There's like there's like 20 fucks on my story today. Yeah. Now I'm starting. Here we are. Today's like a big old fuck day. Uh, uh, don't look at my Facebook, little kid. I don't know. Yeah. I just have a bunch of shit about suicide, mostly. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about suicide? <laughs> oh. That's a whole other story. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a podcast. Different podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, Blair, it's all good. And yeah. we, we are we're so stoked that you came up here. I had a great time. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was amazing. Awesome. I, I guess let's close with just a few seconds here of, like, um, you you talk about this message, and yeah. I think we covered a lot of what the message yeah. is. But take us out here with like what you what your message is here. My biggest message is for any any kid, young adult, adult child, adult man child, you know, grown man, anything like that. 
to the fact of anything is possible with a little bit of hard work, perseverance, manifestation, the law of attraction. You know, uh, these are all little key points that I'm putting out there. They're like, do your own research, get on Google, you know, um, not only that, but like eat a proper diet, get a little bit of exercise in and like you can change your life. Like, like those, those ecstasy moments, those peaks that we were talking about earlier in this podcast, like you too can reach those, you know? And like, if you know what we're talking about, heck yeah, man. And I hope that the people that are listening that know what we're talking about are also like making podcasts to share that message as well, because like, that's what it's all about. Like we're hope dealers. We are out here literally spreading hope that the world's not ending. It's not all black, you know, like we too can like have a great day. Let's Let's live life to the fullest, to the to that utmost fullest. Let's eat the food. Let's drink the water. Let's take the supplements, take the vitamins and like be Optimus Prime. You know what I mean? Like we are the day and age, you know, where the sky is the limit, you know, and if the sky is the limit, why are there footprints on the moon? Right. You know, and like that's what it's all about. People coming together to spread a message of hope and like not really. That's not even what it's about. The fact that like when I walk out that door and if there's somebody walking down the street and like they come up to me and they're like, hey, man, I need some help. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to give them a number to a rehab and like I'm going to help them call and like I'm going to get them in a treatment or whatever it may be. Like if there's an old lady walking down the street, like carrying some grocery bags, like I'm going to come like, excuse me, ma'am, can I help you like carry those groceries for you? Like being a good person, like when somebody's behind you, like don't just walk through the door. Be mindful that like, hey, let me just stop and like open this door and like hold it for this person that's about to walk through this door as well. Like be a good person. Like every once in a while when you're in Tim Hortons, like pay for the car behind you. You know what I mean? Like whatever, when you, when you have an extra car sitting in your driveway, pay it forward. I'm t- Tyler. I'm telling you someday you're going to get a new car and you're going to have that extra car sitting in your driveway. Pay it forward. Give it to the next addict that you see coming up or whatever. The next person, the next human being, you know, like pay it forward. So many people are coming together for this fighting and this martial arts and this whole thing that we really have going on. So many people are coming together to like help me. Like I can't wait to g- I get to a point where I can pay it forward. I can't wait to get to a point where I'm financially stable enough to really just like pay it forward. My landlord that I mentioned earlier earlier, the 68 year old constructionist, he let me move into my apartment on $200 rent. Like I can't wait to let somebody move in on $200 for, I was two weeks out of prison. That dude had no business letting me move in his apartment. Like pay it forward, be a good human being, drink your water, eat your food, take your vitamins. Let's go. Hell yeah. It's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for coming on. Sink, swim, or fly. Let's go. Amen. Let's go. Amen. (laughs) Woo. Fire, man. Ain't no doubt. Thanks for being here. Yeah. You're welcome. Later, Later, guys. Check out Blair on Facebook. Check him out. Blair Phillips. Later. Mr. No Gimmick. (laughs) Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.